Radio Level 5 is an artist-run podcast from Level 5, a cooperative studio floor in the center of Brussels. In our podcasts, we invite artists and other people to discuss which interests inspire their practice and how they work. Sometimes we also play sound and text pieces. Today, Pachiva Ross and Olaf Winkler talk with Janis Mavitz about his meticulous and dense paintings that both evoke symbols of traditional painting as well as contemporary visual culture. Hope you enjoy. Welcome everybody to another interview for Radio Level 5. We have with us today Janis Marowitz, a painter from Germany, originally but living in Brussels. And uh, we, that is Batsheva Ross and me, Olaf Winkler. And yeah, we're doing the interview um, with you about your painting. You have a show coming up in Berlin, Janis, in a few days actually. And um, we are trying to talk about, which is always a challenge, about paintings. And we have these paintings in front of us as photocopies, but uh, Batsheva and I, we were so lucky to see them before they were shipped to Berlin now. And uh, yeah, maybe we try to talk about them, try to describe a tiny bit what is on them and uh, what your work is. So maybe we just start. Yeah, um, Janis, maybe just start by ex uh, sort of explaining to us about your show, what is it going to be, how many paintings? Yes, I think the best is to talk first about numbers because I think that's an that's important for like for how the show is like uh, installed in the end is I mean it's like nine paintings I made for them and the thing is which is important to talk about also is I think that they vary very much they differ very much in sizes so you have the largest format which is a meter 70 mm -hmm. by a meter 10 and the smallest is 15 centimeters by 10 centimeters mm -hmm. and um, there's like various different sizes in between. Uh, but maybe to start from scratch in a way, I think it's important to mention that the work I'm doing is figurative. Yeah, it's oil painting. It's often oil painting, not necessarily. I yes. sometimes work in tempera too, right. which I like as a technique also like almost opposing to oil painting. But the works we're gonna talk now, and I think we're gonna talk about the works of this show, these yes. nine paintings, they are all almost exclusively made in oils. Only two are a bit different, but maybe we come to that back. We come back to that later. So, what are the themes? What's going on in these paintings? Well, I think f there's a first. There's like a lot of like figures and a lot of visual information crammed on the surface of the painting so the you see a lot it's a very they often they're very dense they're very much there's a lot going on there's a lot of interaction between different um, different uh, parts of the painting but often you see an interaction between humans or animals mm -hmm. animals play a big role i think or humans almost become animal-like by behavior or by how they are depicted. And um, these figures almost or often seem to fall out of the surface of the canvas. So there's like, uh, it's, I think that's that we can talk about this also later about like how they're connected then in the end. Would and you say they're a bit mythical? Or is it yes. 
I think so. I mean, this is the question of like, of like narration. How is the narration going on in the painting? I think is always something, or how, where does this lead us to? Where, uh, where is the idea or the narration come from? This is like also like almost like a time span that is like reproduced in the painting. And where do these come from? And I think in that sense they're mythi mystical but they're not referring to actual myth or something like that. But I'm, I think I play a bit with these, like, okay, so <laughs> there are these, like, kind of topics that kind of could be something or they could refer to or they could be they an remind actual... remind us a lot. They remind us a lot of something or they could be an actualization of a story, of a history, of a myth mm -hmm. uh, that we're seeing now without, like, maybe pinpointing it. Maybe you directly. can describe it as storytelling? Yeah. There's a story in, sh in each uh, painting? I think there is a story in each of the paintings, but I think what I'm working with is also often with like having this very cramped depiction and often they're kind of cut off on the sides. So the surface of the canvas is almost too small for what happens on it. Right. That means also that parts of the narration, parts of their history, parts of the myth is just outside of the canvas, is outside of the frame. Um, so we can like add this, the viewer can add this, the person looking at it can add this. But I think this is also a point when we talk about the, the not only the single format, the single painting, but talk perceive them in a whole, all these nine paintings that I think there's points where they are linked by this cutting of a narration and this leads us to another image, another painting where we can continue without having like a continuous narration going through them. I don't think so. It's more about remembering, I would say. Yeah. Maybe for, as an entry we can pick up one of these paintings. Maybe tell us which one is the first one or just an entry. Just describe what's going on inside. Of yeah. Which I one would you like to pick up? <laughs> I think I would pick would like to pick up this Angelus painting, which is also on the which invitation. Of this, uh, exactly. That's I think why it's color, a good yeah. good um, good painting to start with. It's a good painting, yeah. Uh, I I start with like the sheer facts. So it's an oil painting on a wooden panel. 27 by 15 centimeters. It's quite small. It's yeah. quite small. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's in the show also one of the smaller works. Mm -hmm. And on the painting, you see a figure that is hovering above a very like crowded sea or like a sea that is like is like almost like a stormy, very stormy sea. Um, this figure hovering above the sea is having like something some wooden wooden thing in the hand. I, w I wouldn't want to describe it. Maybe it's a bat or something like that, but I want to leave it open. Mm -hmm. And in the other hand is a jar and the drapery. So the clothes are very like moved by the wind. Mm -hmm. And below the figure in the water, there is kind of like a, I, I don't know, a fish, a sea creature, sea snake or something like like it's quite monstrous. It's very monstrous, yeah. I think. Yeah. Fish. It's <laughs> yeah. not a, f a very friendly fish. No, it's not. It's not it wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> um, but the figure on top of that is like 
is not so there is no real interaction in between them. I think like the this monstrous figure, the sea snake, whatever, is like looking up, but the figure hovering above is just looking outside of the frame, as mm -hmm. if there's something coming, and it's like just uh, kind of hovering in the wind, going with the wind um, into one direction. Yeah. And the angel, is it? It looks a bit feminine, or it's uh, it's no. Maybe not. I wouldn't neglect that. Yeah. I think often the figures I'm painting, they need a more mm -hmm. feminine or masculine. Okay. There's something in between. Um, I think that opens up a bit more. Right. Yeah. right. It's interesting that you chose this painting to start with. Um, it is a tiny bit easier to explain maybe than some others which are even more packed and there's more happening in it. But at the same time, um, I mean, it's also like a scene because some mm -hmm. of your paintings um, are a bit like film stills, as you described. It's like something cut out of something which is going on, a story or, yeah. or whatever. And here it's even more referring actually to our experience of having seen in our lives before somewhere in a museum or so more historical paintings. So this is much more like a typical thing which could also almost come from a Greek scene, so that we are coming back to this mythological thing, while some others mm -hmm. are much more playing with it. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's quite interesting because this one opens very directly for me, the, the view onto not only the scene that you are painting, but how you are painting it, how you are using certain things, and you were talking about the clothes that are like moving in the wind and so yeah. on. This is, of course, something which is referring to Baroque scenes yeah. or maybe even before that. So um, you could say this artist that I have in front of me, Janis Marwitz, mm -hmm. if I have never seen anything from you, I would directly know, ah, okay, he knows about art history, not only, but he's playing also with this. Is that something what you, what you are doing consciously, referring to... Is what kind of interest is bringing you to... to, to because it's not a, a contemporary clothing, it's not a contemporary scene in that sense. I mean, I like um, this idea working with a painting that is almost like in disguise. I'm what do you mean by the in disguise? I mean, almost like, for me, it's almost like when you're in school, like little children, like making a theater. They're playing a Shakespeare theater and they're trying to dress almost as like characters 400, 500 years ago. You know, that is like this kind of like they dress up basically. Mm -hmm. I kind of like also this idea that like a painting could also do that dress up like that, you know? And this is, of course, it's like it's referring to something, as you said, like a Baroque, this Baroquean kind of drapery that there's something actually going on in the folds, which I totally admire actually I think I really like that that there's like there is a form of like again narration into very little details and there's like a theatricality going on in very little details and I think that's like something very Baroque and I admire this idea so there's something like that but of course I'm not coming close I'm not painting Baroque paintings this, uh, that would be like would be sheer impossible but also not very interesting to do that nowadays mm -hmm. I think 
So you but feel like it's a, the realness of it is the contemporarity of it, but it's dressing up as if it's a, if it's it a would, Baroque. It's or a, if it would be Baroque. It's like almost yeah. like you fail to do that, yeah. you know, yeah. but like still there is something kind of like you try to, to emulate that, you try to copy that in a way or something, I don't know. Um, and so this comes like that in front of you, you know, there's something like dressing up in front of you, disguising in front of you, which makes it maybe sometimes more actual. You see things more precise because they are not so much like, like we would dress nowadays or something like that. There's also, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry um, there's also something, of course, like maybe I would say more formally painterly questions that come with it, like how do you spread like uh, obscurity and like brighter spots in the painting? What, how does this lead also to a narration? Not only to like how you make a nice image or something, or like, like how is your eyes, like how your eyes are like kind of walking above the surface from points to points. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure uh, that's the way to orchestrate all the elements together. But I think let's start first. Um, I, I'd like to know first, how do you come up with these imagery? I mean, there is a, it's figurative. And I know you're not, you're not painting, no, no, you don't paint uh, directly from, from looking, mm -hmm. or you make yourself small maquettes, and then mm -hmm. you work from them. Um, but how do you come up with this idea of an angel holding a, a, uh, a vase or, mm -hmm. yeah, what, how does it come up to your mind? Yeah, well, I mean, there's often, it starts with a very simple idea, mm -hmm. um, which could be just like a referring to art history, but not necessarily, often these are like ideas that come up um, that are very bare, if you would say, and um, I try to let myself a lot of time to give it a lot of time so I'm not like immediately start painting but I'm doing drawings I'm doing like marquettes as you said mm -hmm. and in this process which sometimes can take one or two months mm -hmm. there is like this narration is forming the picture is forming the things are forming that are uh, that are part of the painting in the end and I think this is like almost like a collage technique. So there's like form plates, like there's drawings and there's like maquettes and there's like simple things that also like just appear while painting. So there's very different things meet on the surface, mm. which I find important. And then I think while painting, it's the question is like, how do they like make an image or is it also important to break it, to add more abstract, uh, forms and shapes into it or is it like more like out of like one mm -hmm. um, it's it's really interesting because I just saw uh, another one of these multitudes of documentaries on Jan van Eyck mm -hmm. um, a few days ago because there's a lot of them of course now and um, it was again of course focusing on the fact that uh, well it's it's early Renaissance but the, the main thing in or one main thing in painting Renaissance was that you had the topics the same theme that had been around in gothic times and before that um, and now they become more realistic in the sense of painters use backgrounds that people already know from looking through the window onto the city um, the clothes are changing and so on so the things the topics get closer to us renaissance mm -hmm. um, you seem to do the opposite you are misleading us by taking things 
on to a more timeless level or not so contemporary. I don't see uh, a person sitting in a park with a smartphone or whatever here. I'm seeing a, a figure that could come indeed from a Baroque painting. Mm. But by doing so, you maybe, I don't know, you have to correct me, but I have the feeling that you get the freedom to dive into the painting itself, to the process of painting on the one hand, but of course also telling us something. Yeah. And um, it's, it's really a very, very complicated, layered process for me to, to watch these paintings, to yeah. get into this. I think I find it quite interesting what you were saying about like this formation of imagery in Jan van Eyck or like an early, early Renaissance, like to make this idea of bringing the image closer to life bring the image closer to contemporary life these days, like 500 years ago. I have the feeling, why I'm not doing this at the moment, I have the feeling I don't need to do this. I think we are surrounded by so many images which we see on a daily basis that this is also a form of bringing it, making it more actual, bringing it more to life is like making it an image that is like kind of circling around, you know? It's like I don't I don't have see actually the need to make it as something that is like appearing as in our daily life, but more something that is appearing as an image and like can work and travel and like be active as an image. And that's why I think it's also sometimes or why I like work with like uh, references to older periods in painting. It's like okay this is clear that this is an image that is like we're in front of and which actually probably is like, or probably is something that like you were mentioning, on it works on different levels. So it's not there, it's not present immediately, but if it's folding up or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny because it's a, there is some story, or like you said, Batreva, like some, some um, narration behind it, and you feel as a spectator, as the audience, you feel pulled into it. As you mentioned, Janis, mm -hmm. it's cut off, so I don't, I never get the entire story. Um, but at the same time, it's also I have the feeling that it's a lot about painting. It's about the process of painting itself, mm -hmm. and, um, and and that's really a strange combination. But it seems to me it's like uh, you're rendering um, imagery that is already seen by us or reminds us, echoes us so many imagery that we have seen already. Mm -hmm. So we, since our eye is already used for, uh, to see such imagery, the focus now shifts to the technique, shifts to the colors, shifts to the painting, uh, yeah, yeah. to the act of painting. Technical, not, not exactly technical, but more the material. Yeah. I think so, absolutely. I think what I probably also before like answering to that, I think it's also like if we talk about, yeah, maybe we can call it reality into mm -hmm. painting. I think this is a quite, it's a quite complicated term, but quite interesting mm -hmm. to talk about this in the sense of painting. But when I, like when I make the paintings, I think there is a certain form of reality is, as you mentioned already, like how are things depicted? How are like how actual actually are they like how real do they appear on the surface and others might not be as real or might be more like vague, might be more abstract in that sense. 
And I think that's like how you start. It's a question of like painting them. How do you paint them? How do you depict them? How do you materialize them? Mm. I think in a sense. And for that, I think for me, it's very important to think about like, yeah, yeah, as you said, not, not technically, it's not a question of technique, but it's a question of like materialization of how, yeah, how do you do Pictorial. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, it's also because, um, as Hubert Trevor mentioned, um, in, in your studio, it's, it's quite intriguing to see that you're actually building your paintings. Mm -hmm. That means um, you don't have the scene that you're painting in front of you as an entity. But you have the elements and in, in very different ways in front of you. That is like a drawing of a bird, let's put it, and, and some other objects and or photos or whatever. And you combine these, plus these little models or maquettes or so. Mm -hmm. So the persons that appear in your paintings partially exist at as 20 centimeters high, I would say, Probably, yeah. persons. And you build these yourselves from, from wax, I think. Yeah, yeah. Wax on metal, probably, or yeah. whatever. And then you dress them up with a small... Yeah, so they are artworks themselves with these little yeah. costumes that they wear and so on. So there's a lot of work before that. Yeah. Just to say so, just to let them become part of a painting. Um, yeah. um, as far as I understood, you're not showing or you don't intend to show these steps before the painting in an exhibition. Yes. Yeah. What's interesting is also that well, two points that I wanted to say. First of all, when you uh, paint um, figures, you don't paint them from real, but you make these figurines from uh, wax. Yeah. So yeah. it's like a theater, uh, of a theater. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, secondly, uh, it's important to mention that the themes or the, uh, there are a lot of things that come again and again and the same exact uh, duck or group of ducks, three ducks, that appear in one, uh, painting will appear exactly the same in the other one. Uh, in front of me are actually two paintings that are in the show. One is, is going to be small, one is going to be, one is large. They don't have a title, they aren't titled, both of them, but they're almost exactly the same paintings and you did them again and again. I mean, it's, it's again the same, it's interesting for you to paint it again, the same thing, but to make it big or uh, with small changes. And not only that, uh, we also have this architect uh, persona who appears in a painting uh, called The Architect. And then he appeared also in a soup, a shelf, and a compost, which is the architect. How, what the size of it? It's 45 by 30. And this a soup, a shelf, and a compost? It's uh, 20, 22 and a half by 15, I think. Yeah. So it's really so small, that one. Yeah. And yeah. it's made of three paintings, actually, more or less, right? Yeah. It's like layered paintings. Yeah. I mean, the architect, we see again the angel yeah. that we saw in the... the angel, how do you call it? Angelus. The Angelus painting, too. Which, so uh, sorry to interrupt you, but no, I, I want to say, this just comes to my mind, because I want to say something about the title, which is, of course, like the Angelus. This yeah. Like, uh, this Latin, Latin title. Latin for angel is why it came up to me it was also like uh, this figure of the angel hovering above something being like hovering flying in the wind but may maybe also being caught by the wind 
is something that for me, I had this reference while making it to the power clay drawings. Yeah, that's what I would. The Angelus Novus, yeah. which like Benjamin writes about them, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, that's I, I quickly interrupt. That's what I thought about, but it's totally different. That's very important to, to stress this. Yeah. It's, it's just that from the title, and of course, if you start thinking about yeah. this, because that's also like this floating angel, which is, I think it's moving, the interpretation was that it's moving backwards to the future, looking at us yep. and stuff. It looks uh, a bit and past, and yeah. this, of course, if you think of this, you can find comparisons or something. Yeah. But that's all. I mean, it's just it's very yeah. soft. I think that was like, when I'm working with titles, I think they sometimes they go very outside of the painting and they refer to what happens in the painting, but they can also, I think that's what I find interesting with like titles and like if you want to like add words to the painting that they can lead you to some very different place, mm. which I find sometimes important. And this idea to connect it vaguely, of course, I don't see the necessity that you always connect it to uh, the Paul Klee drawings. But there might be is this idea of where and then you connect it to like the Walter Benjamin text this idea of something is pushed by the wind through and just watching just seeing and it's pushed from this one painting as you mentioned to the other painting mm -hmm. to the architect so it's reappearing there and not as another like another still like you mentioned it's not another film still but it's more something it could have been in that way, like an angulus, but it could have been also like it happens in the painting called The Architect. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that's a, a, an, an like important thing when for the title, how title works with me or like I, how I try to work with titles. And with this repetition of image, what you mentioned in this other painting uh, with, I would rather say it's geese. Not ducks. Okay. I don't yeah, think they're you're right. <laughs> they're geese. Um, and the one is the biggest one in the show, a meter seventy by a meter ten. So you see three geese in the lower part of the painting reacting to something very aggressively that is outside of the canvas again. Which uh, is ah, they're okay. I see. They're like in front of them. There's something that made them react. Yeah, but you don't you know don't what that. it is. Okay. And in the background, you see three figures yes. that are walking along a path. And they're kind of like more interacting with each other or reacting to something that, again, you don't see, but it might be somewhere else. I think it's interesting to say that in one path, it just seems like a simple path. Yeah. In the other path, it's as if the tractor uh, yeah. have uh, tracks. You see the trails of a trails, truck yeah. or something, yeah. yeah. Um, and Which turns it again to a contemporary reference yeah. all, all outside of the scene, yeah. yeah. Why may, may I ask something? I think you yeah. said that just, just for, the, for my personal record. I think you painted the big one first. Yes. And then the small one, yes. which is kind of a habit of you, not making big ones first and the small one afterwards, but not necessarily coming from the sketch to the painting and never go back. But you, you do a painting and then it's still possible to do something more sketch-like or smaller or whatever. You, you could like rework topics, but not in the sense of doing them better or doing them again. But if I understand, it's more like a memory-like echo or something like this. 
And in this yeah. sense, uh, I'm just asking it because uh, that is something with, which I find really interesting is that you introduce here, which is quite daring actually in these compositions, something very contemporary with these trails of, or tracks of a, of mm -hmm. a tractor or so, something industrial. Mm -hmm. And then the next step you take them out again. So, I mean, most people probably don't know the, the, the timeline of the two paintings, no. but for me, now that I know them, it's funny, okay, he puts it in, which is really daring because it's this timeless way of assembling allegorical or whatever imagery and, and then yeah. putting something almost in a postmodern way, something very contemporary in there, but and I then you take like it out again. Yeah. It's I feel like here in the small one, Instead of putting the truck, so you took away the truck trails, but instead you put a chair which looks very contemporary on yeah. the chair. So it's as if like you're substituting, but you're not giving away the idea of making it contemporary. Yeah, I want it. Is that the thing? That's yeah, absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's also, I think it's important that to kind of mention in the painting that they're not the same. I mean, yeah. it sounds naive, but of course they're not the same because they're very different in size and the size also, of course, makes a difference in how they're painted. Yeah. So how do brush strokes look like? How is the resolution? How is the rendering and stuff like that? That's things that I'm interested in when like repeating an image in different sizes. Like what, how is like this, this almost, I would say this form of abstraction coming into work, this form of abstraction and you see brush strokes in a different way you come closer to a work in a different way you see things differently right right just only by sheer proximity or like how far you're away from the work or something like that uh, so that's what why I'm interested in like kind of repeating these images and then I think you have to give hints that they're not the same that these are changing also in the process of repeating them because it's not it's a copy but it's of course not a copy mm. at all on the other hand and then there's the thing what you mentioned Olaf that what happens with like you see one so they're both in the same show they're not next to each other you see the one and you go further and you see the other one what happens with this form of remembering you remember an image that you've seen 30 seconds before and how does this kind of like what does this make with like almost i would say i would for me I'm, I'm talking about almost a sculptural quality that remembering is also like kind of like remembering time and also you make up a space and i think that's what i'm interested in also in repeating that in a sense of like installing them in an actual space mm, painting maybe, installation yeah and what is also maybe good to mention that the smaller painting so the one that came after is like painted with a slightly yellowish tint mm -hmm. as if it was like if it is older in uh, uh, yeah so are you playing tricks on us are you trying to say <laughs> oh I first made this and then I made that but actually it's the opposite well it's a bit of a trick it's a bit of like playing with the expectations mm -hmm. of the of the viewer of but it's not, you know, it's not, I'm not fooling someone around. No, it's not, it's more like, okay, you, you have, everyone has expectations, me included, of course. Expectation, how something might look like, how something is rendered, how something forms itself. 
and sometimes I found it very fruitful to just break it a bit. Maybe sometimes on a very small scale. Um, and uh, then there's also, I think, yeah, maybe it's also a bit about misunderstanding. I found this a fruitful thing, that mm -hmm. misunderstandings can also lead to something differently. I don't know. Yeah. With, this, with, with the color, that's really interesting because there's so much um, involved with this. Uh, we, 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 some other day we talked about the fact that here in, in Brussels in the museum you have the two uh, Brögel by the older and the, uh, the elder and the younger. Uh, I think it's a, I don't know what the title is in English, but the, the counting of the inhabitants of Bethlehem, I think yeah. it is. Uh, and the older one is a bit like your bigger one. It's a bit cooler colors, cooler shades. And the, the, the younger one by the sun is uh, a bit more orangey, a bit more yellowish, a bit warmer in the sense. And they're almost the same in format. So you are playing double, of course, by yeah. making it smaller, by uh, changing the strokes also. That's what you meant with resolution, I believe, mm -hmm. that the way it yeah. is painted is different. But the funny thing is that you just said, so it could be older, which what you are implicitly referring to is a change of the varnish over time, I guess, probably, uh, which, of course, a person which is not into painting very much may not know. So that means that you are appealing to different kinds of audiences in different ways in that sense. So for one, it might be something which is very much into painting. Mm -hmm. And for somebody who is not so much into it, you can just feel that the one is warmer. The other one yeah. is a bit colder. The one is a bit rougher. It is warmer, but rougher painted. But it's yeah. also because it's smaller. And that's a decision that's maybe important to know because I get nervous when I see you painting, but you can paint with just one hair pen, <laughs> so I, I, I brushes. So this would make me crazy. But it means it is a decision, even on a piece that small, it is a decision what the resolution will be like. Mm -hmm. But you transport something which is in or above the image, and it doesn't need this intellectual background of painting, that it could be varnish, that it could be whatever. Yeah, I think it's like, as you say, it's like some people could like see it as like a, a old varnish, others could see it as a different temperature, just it looks, just that it looks, has like a different appearance, right? could be also referring to like a kind of like I think about like older films that you have a filter over it you know that like everything is tinted a bit in like a certain color um, sepia, almost, yeah. yeah sepia but I'm, I'm I'm just uh, um, thinking at the moment about this uh, do you know this Kenneth Anger film which is a black and white film but he has he put like this this blue filter on top of the black and white, which makes it beautiful. It's a very good film. I would just recommend to see okay. it. <laughs> I want to get to this, uh, to a painting that I have the image in front of me, and uh, it's very interesting for me to talk about. It's called Self-Portrait, Self-Portrait as a, when I'm not very bad at pronouncing I think, this I word. I think it's ventri ventriloquist. It's, I love the yeah. word, and I love the concept, <laughs> but uh, it's hard for me to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so we see here a man naked, tied with his hands to a tree, and his stomach. He has and everything is quite blurry, um, and his face is quite blurry. It looks sad, and it's hidden. Half the bottom is hidden by his arm. Um, and on his stomach, we see another face, which is very sharp. And the mouth is the 
belly button, uh, there are no genitals, and, um, and, you, and can you say something about the painting? I guess the, the, the face and the, and the stomach is more or less your face. It's, if you want to, it's actually my face. It's like I yeah. painted it from life with a mirror. Wow, okay. Uh, so it's the eyes and the nose are mine, mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. um, but I think working with that title, that title, I wanted to kind of refer to, okay, where is the actual self-portrait? Is it like the face on the belly? Mm -hmm. Or is it the figure? Because the ventriloquist would be rather the figure, right, than like something that speaks out of the stomach which is kind of of course a very like almost childlike idea right that the stomach speaks i think the ventriloquist is something that is um it's an image that appears because it's something it's a puppet yet the sound comes out of the belly which is something very subconsciously like your subconscious speaking mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. and so yeah so i like to to this moment of like kind of where do you place the self actually do you place it in this figure do you place it on the stomach and as you mentioned before but Shiva, this like thing of like only the fa the face so to say on the belly is rendered mm -hmm. really sharply really precise and everything else around it is very much blurry which i like as this moment because often the paintings i'm making they I call it like they have entrances and exits. So, so pieces like things in the painting, the pictures in the painting can be small, can be large, things that you enter the painting with. And there's others where you probably exit also, where you, where you, which throw you out again of the surface, which throw you out of like the entity or whatever of like an image. And I think in that painting, especially you have this face on the belly, which is like rendered very precisely. You come in, you go in, and the moment you kind of change to another spot, you're just searching for another spot rendered in the same way, but there is none actually. All is kind of blurry, kind of a bit like roughly painted around it. So you walk around on the surface, you walk all these things, you, you walk around and you see all these things, and you end up at the face at the belly again which I kind of like, there's like this moment of, there's, it's just like you're circling around this image and by circling around the image, you kind of grasp the rest of the painting. But probably you entered the painting by seeing the face on the belly and you're gonna exit it again by seeing the face on the belly. This was just the idea I had. What, what yeah, but the conceptual idea of this whole painting is very disturbing, should I say? It mm -hmm. seems like there's a sin here, it, it kind of, to me, it alludes to, to Echo's uh, Adam and Eve sin, uh, like mm -hmm. uh, because of the nakedness, because of the tree, and then also this guy is tied to the tree, so there's kind of a shame over there and a shame on his face. Mm -hmm. But then there's the face in the middle, and that's maybe that's the that's the bad guy inside that made him do all the sins. Yeah. Is that um, um, yeah? It's also it's a bit obscene. Also, and the then face we know it's a self-portrait again, yeah. so it has to be very personal. Maybe there's an element of shame you're exposing <laughs> to us, and is the realness in your in in your puppetry? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is. It's really. 
Um, what I liked about your explanation and made me think is what you just said is that you start from the face, which is the entry point, and then you end up at the face again. And I mm -hmm. had the feeling there was, there was this word even before that coming up in my mind, which is like on, on very different levels, you, you lead me to a certain detail, for example, then I try to deviate from that, go somewhere else. And then I quite often bounce back or bounce to the next thing. It's always like flying around a tiny bit. And here again, it's the same as you said. You do it by painting in the sense of this blurriness and all these things. But you, of course, also do it by the, let's call it content, in the sense mm -hmm. of, yeah, as you said, Adam and Eve. But it's also, of course, this, this face on the belly is, uh, I think it's coming back quite a lot in Hieronymus Bosch paintings and all mm -hmm. these things of mm -hmm. the hell. But it's also uh, San Sebastian. Mm -hmm. tied to the, so, so to there's the a lot of these typical yeah. things that we all know if we have been to the one or the other museum, right. especially yeah. in, um, in the big ones in Louvre and here in Brussels or in Prado and I don't know what. So it's a very, very typical images, but they never work 100%. Mm. Every time I think, ah, okay, I understood something, I, I bounce back yeah. in, in a positive sense. That's what mm. I like about it. But um, I think, yeah, it's, uh, you're absolutely right, but like there's like, as you said, Adam and Eve, or like um, San Sebastian, or like mm. whatever, like Bosch paintings, or like hell. That's, I think, what I like to work with is like these things that are kind of, I would say, common knowledge. And I would e wouldn't even say, okay, common knowledge of people going to the museum or something like that. I think these things are in different forms to enter just in our pictorial memory, right? Culturally so invaded in yeah, our they're DNA. Like, they're there, right? Yeah. There's like, maybe they took very different shapes and very different forms and very different meanings, but they're present in a way. And sometimes you can like connect them like more precisely, sometimes more loosely, but they kind of evoke something. I think that's what the, what's, I think it's just like the, yeah, the strongness of imagery I mean, probably we could also talk about like uh, Abi Warburg and his patet the pathetic form that he's talking about. It. Images are, per se, there's images are strong and like strong in the sense that they kind of evoke something. And so these images, they travel through time and they take different shapes and forms, but they're like, they're always present in a way. And mm, that's what I like about this term of memory that you yeah. mentioned also, it works within the show even. Like from one image to the other, you, you take parts with you and you memorize them or you remember them. But at the same time, what you're talking about now, it's not even memory, it's above memory because mm -hmm. I don't have to memorize it. It's mm -hmm. already there, these elements that you talk about or the Abi Warburg situation is something which is there continuously. Uh, while for me, memory is something going back to and getting back to here and have some reference or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some some continuity in these in these elements also which is is going on in in, in the show it's like a, a conceptual record that you made so to speak for like in, in in pop song vocabulary in the sense of you make a show which is made up of nine paintings and this idea of memory on the one hand the continuous existence of certain topics like you just said is, is, is layering above each other in there which is is, is, is really fascinating uh, 
is it is it for you possible to take them apart? I'm, I mean, I, I guess you, you're selling your paintings. I don't know if this is, is a sales show or not. But in general, is how important is this possibility for you to 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 move between paintings for for somebody? Is it if you take one out, is that a problem for you? I mean, ideally they stay together, but so you have to find someone by <laughs> probably <laughs> not. But this is also, I think. In the end, the show is one, this is one moment in time, right? It's like, this is one moment that takes maybe a month or something, like the duration of the show. And then maybe it's also fine when they go different ways and they like just, again, keep it as a memory or something with them and that there was this, this moment in time where this happened. But I think also that a painting, this is just very simple, but a painting has to also be a painting and has to work individually as something because it's not only like about like links and connections in between them, but also like that this is can be maybe also an image that is like an individual image that is in front of us, you know? Yeah, I guess it's a snapshot of his practice, yeah. right? Yeah. And even in this show, there there's a connection to the show we saw now in Cantine, you have a painting mm -hmm. and the same geese this show yeah. appear in the show in Cantine. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's if someone takes a piece, it's a piece of a puzzle, but it's always known to be a piece of a puzzle, right? Yeah. 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 Maybe to, um, I mean, we are already at a point where this is a bit funny to go back to it, but I have one more question that's this. The one painting, I think maybe there's even two of them, which is working with layers. Uh, I forgot the name, but where the figure of the architect is coming back. It's the... This one here? Yeah. The one yeah. which has a triple title, so to speak. It's quite a small one. How how big is it? This is a uh, twenty twenty-two by twenty-two and a half by fifteen centimeters. Yeah. And and tell me the title again. It's a super shelf compost, yeah. um, which is like uh, there's like kind of three stripes above each other. The the lowest is again the figure of the architect, like a. a a figure that is kind of leaning above like a s plate, maybe a table or something like that, uh, kind of pushing itself into this horizontal sphere uh, with one arm raised. And in the background, there is a steaming pot. Um, in the element above, there is a sea creature again, like something, I don't know, coming out of the water not really define what it is, but lying on a plate, so not in the water, with the sky above. And on top, there's a scene of vegetables, an onion, a carrot, and a uh, leech, leech, I think you call leek, them, yeah. leek. Um, and the title, of course, is referring to the split into three parts, but it's also referring, I mean, this soup might be the soup in the pot boiling on the lowest part might also refer to the vegetables on top being like the main ingredients for a soup mm. or something maybe it's also the sea creature that might might be cooked in the soup i don't know um so i thought for the show it is important to also implement an image that is really drastically breaking the entity of like a finished painting. So you really see three parts that 
might refer to each other, but they might also not. More like, also almost like a kind of like a, I don't know, a layout for a magazine or something mm. like that. I don't know. Um, and, but these, the individual parts are kind of again linked to other paintings, I think. Yeah, the way, way uh, I wanted to ask about it because it's, it's, I don't mean it at all didactic, but some of your paintings help to again bounce back to another painting. So in this sense, actually, it's not doing anything different than the other paintings are doing. It's just more clear in the sense of the yeah. assemblage of, of different things. And uh, so looking at this, and you might come back this is to another painting and say, ah, okay, this is actually like things are next to each other in this painting. They're above each other, but they're next to each other. Yeah. They're rather reflecting onto each other than that they really connect in a very homogeneous. Yeah, yeah, I t would totally agree, and I also don't mind this this uh, idea of didactic. Yeah, I mean it's it's a bit like in, in contemporary uh, in a contemporary idea. I think this is not really like uh, has not a big part, but I think it's like it maybe some things can be more didactic and others aren't. Um, but to make some things more clearer or to add something to them. I think it's, um, yeah, I like to do this sometimes to have these like moments of like, yeah, to pick certain things out and to show them in a different way. And maybe this is makes them, makes it more clear or like opens them up again also to another forms. Uh, yeah. Maybe just to end this uh, conversation with briefly talking about these two um, works of yours. They are titled again, Displace, and the other one is not titled, but they are very different than the other ones. Uh, maybe you can describe them a bit. Uh, right. Uh, so they're very small in size again, like the one is the smallest one is 15 by 10, the other is I think 40 by 30 centimeters. What is the biggest difference is the support. They're painted on copper, mm -hmm. on etching plates, and so they're par partially painted, uh, but a lot of the copper is uh, left unpainted. So after the paint was drying, after the paint did dry, I put them in an acidic atmosphere. And this acidic atmosphere caused the copper to rust, basically, it oxidized. And by copper oxidizing, very similar to steel or like iron, it builds it's like a, it makes up a color, and this is a very intense green color. Like we can imagine a bit like bronze sculptures turning green after a while. Only, only this color is yeah. much more intense, much stronger. As you say, it's a bit more turquoise. Yeah, I had the feeling I wanted to implement something that is. But maybe we should also mention they are very yeah. much more abstract. Yeah, and very yeah. loosely painted. Yes. I think I wanted to have something that is kind of almost opposing the other works, which are like kind of like sometimes very detail rendered, but also it's maybe not only about detail, but also like spending a lot of time rendering and making things more clear. I wanted to have two works that are very loosely painted. They give a lot of space of interpretation on the surface, on how they are, what they are. And there is this moment of chance. It's almost like, okay, there is like a color appearing that it's not 
I didn't put it on, it's just like how this chemical reaction works, that's how the color will be. For me, it was almost like kind of like to develop a photo or something like that. Mm. You kind of know what you're going to do, but then something is kind of appearing and turning out. Um, so, and of course, there's also like a, a thing about like these very thin copper sheets being almost like paper, mm -hmm. like drawing maybe. Mm -hmm. So there's almost, they're, they're painted, but there's also some kind of almost like other medium is sneaking in, in a way, through a very different, uh, through a very weird form or something, I don't know. And uh, yeah, I had this, I had the feeling they need to be part of it to, yeah, to, we we're talking about density, which I found an important part of my work. But I had also the feeling, okay, you have to break the density and you have to kind of loosen it a bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, yeah, that was the idea to implement that a bit, for sure. To have this uh, also this moment of, okay, you open it up again. Mm. So, yeah. It's also, I think these two uh, opening another door to get a tiny glimpse of your workshop, of your studio, they, they, they give a very much uh, yeah, an additional way into well insight into your work process let's put it that way just by the way they are made mm -hmm. and that's really funny because or interesting because the other works are so well painted that uh, when when you look at them there's this seduction of staying in the content staying on the surface and these are breaking it up again so yeah. it's it's quite nice to have them with well it was interesting for me to find out from you that you actually started with more abstract painting mm -hmm. Uh, the fact in this uh, for detailed figurative uh, storytelling that we have right now is actually something that came later on yes which is yes again an opposite uh, no. uh, process for what we expect so yeah we are very interested to see what's going on next actually yeah, it's be because by putting them in a show they become a bit like uh, a set even mm -hmm. though, I mean, it could have been maybe some other nine pieces, I don't know, because, mm -hmm. yeah, so it was also a choice, a selection probably. And, um, yeah, but this it's like a chapter. I don't know if it feels like a chapter for you. It does, actually. I think that's also the nice thing about, like, preparing a show, I think. What I really, yeah, appreciate that you have this moment of, okay, you can, like, open up this chapter or you mm -hmm. can, like, and maybe you can also close it afterwards. But there's these like these uh, these moments, and it is kind of yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know more to say about this. But yeah, it's like I, I like to have this like idea of like there's a chapter and there's something. Uh, yeah, almost a bit like a book or something that you can again open and close. But then, as you mentioned, Bacheva before, like there's also like connections between these chapters or between the works, between a like longer period of time mm -hmm. where they kind of reappear, appear again or something. No. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank, thank, you. You. Yeah, thank you. I think it was a very, very nice talk and yeah. uh, curious to see the works in the future. Good luck yeah. in the opening and show. Thank you.
listening to Radio Level 5.